Welcome to the Provest Perspective with Noel Swain, CFP, and host Pamela Lida. Noel is an investment advisor with Cambridge Investment Research, a monthly columnist for the Spartanburg Herald Journal newspaper, and has been interviewed many times on NPR. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready for some straightforward, honest talk. Now, here's Noel Swain and host Pamela Lida. On the last episode of The Provost Perspective, we started looking at common questions that many investors have, especially new investors, but they feel uncomfortable asking them. And last week, we talked about stock market basics, and we talked about the difference between the Dow Jones, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ, as well as we looked at why the Dow is valued higher than the S&P 500. If you missed that show, then download our report, Questions You Were Afraid to Ask. You can find it on our website www.theprovestperspective.com and it will have all of the information from the last podcast as well as from this podcast. Again, that website address is www.theprovestperspective.com. Now, today we're going to continue our discussion of questions you were afraid to ask, but on this podcast, we'll be discussing some of the most important investment types. We're going to start with stocks and bonds. Yes, we are. We're going to start with stocks and bonds. Great to be here today and looking forward to doing the podcast and hopefully you get something from it and give us a call at 800-277-0025 if you have any questions or you want to talk to us in person. That's something we always enjoy. So anyway, what is a stock exactly? And how does it compare to other kinds of investments? Even folks with a lot of money saved for retirement aren't always sure. A lot of Americans, many of them build wealth and save for retirement through their employers like 401k plans and things like that. And a lot of them are awarded company stock as part of their compensation. Either way, they don't spend much time thinking about their investment options because it's simply not required in order to start investing. As a result, many Americans may have heard of different investment types or asset classes as they're also known without truly knowing how they differ or what the pros and cons are of each type. So the next question we're going to tackle is, what's better, stock or bond? And it's sort of like grandma's underwear. It depends. (laughs) When you purchase a bond, you're essentially loaning money to a company or a government or some type of an organization. When you purchase stock, you are purchasing partial ownership in a company. For this reason, stocks are equity investments, while bonds are debt investments. So, before I answer this question of which is better, let's answer a few questions here. One, how do stocks work? When you buy a company stock, you buy a share in that company. And the more shares you buy, the more of that company you own. Generally speaking, stock can be held for as short or as long a time as you wish, but many experts recommend holding on to your shares for longer term if you anticipate their value will rise over time. For example, let's just say the Acme Corporation, the one of Roadrunner fame, and they make Roadrunner traps, and it sells their stock for $50 per share. So you invest $5,000 into the company, which means you now own 100 shares. Now, fast forward five years. Acme's business has grown. Investors like what they see, which consequently puts their stock in higher demand. 
As a result, the stock price is now $75 per share. Because you own equity in the company, you benefit from its growth too. And your investment is now worth $2,500 more for a total of $7,500. Second question, what are the pros and cons of investing in stocks? Well, every investment has its strengths and weaknesses, and stocks are no exception. The single biggest benefit to investing in stocks is that they historically outperform most types of investments over the long term. Because stocks represent partial ownership in a business, finding a strong company that performs well over the course of years and decades can be a powerful way to save for the future. Additionally, stocks are a fairly liquid investment. That means it can potentially be easier to both buy and sell them whenever you need cash. Many other investment types, like bonds, can be more difficult or costly to sell. In some cases, locking you in for a long, long time. But these pros are just one side of a double-edged sword, with the possibility of a higher return comes added risk. While the stock market has historically risen over the long term, Individual stock prices can be extremely volatile, going up and down, you know, climbing and falling on a daily basis, sometimes really, really dramatic. For example, if a company underperforms relative to its expectations, the stock price can go down. More people are selling it than buying it. Sometimes companies can even fail altogether and it's possible for investors to lose everything they put in it. As the saying goes, risk nothing, gain nothing. But it's equally true that if you risk too much, you can leave with a lot less. Additionally, to actually realize any gains you've made, you must sell your stock, which could trigger a significant tax bill. Now, number three, how do bonds work? Bonds potentially rise in value and might be sold for a profit, but generally speaking, that's not what most investors are looking for. Instead, bondholders are hoping for something a bit more predictable, and that's an income in the form of regular interest payment. As I just mentioned, bonds are a loan from you to a company or a government. That loan might last days or it could last years, sometimes even up to a 100 years. But when the bond matures, the company pays you back your initial investment. In the meantime, the company typically pays you regular interest, just like when you take out a loan. Depending on the type of bond you buy, these payments can be annually, quarterly, or monthly. Interest payments are why investors often look to bonds as a source of income. Now, what are the pros and the cons of bonds? Well, income isn't the only pro when it comes to bonds. Bonds also tend to be less volatile than stocks. And since the company that issued the bond is technically in your debt, you would be among the first in line to get at least some of your money back, even if the company were to go into bankruptcy. And that's not the case with stocks. But just because bonds are less volatile doesn't mean that there's no risk in the bonds. They're not risk-free. Bonds may rise or fall in face value as interest rates change. Face value is typically calculated by seeing what others would likely be willing to pay to take over that debt from you. 
So, for example, if you bought a bond in year one only to see interest rates go up in year two, the value of your bond will likely go down. That's because you are missing out on the higher interest rate payments you would have had had you bought the bond in year two instead. That's important because if you wanted to sell your bond before it reached maturity, you would probably have to settle for a lower price than what you initially paid for it. Now, let's look at stocks and bonds together for a second. As you can may be able to tell, stocks and bonds each have different advantages and disadvantages. It's why for many investors, the answer is, well, why not both? Far from being competitive, stocks and bonds are actually considered complementary to each other. That's because each brings to the table something that the other doesn't. Furthermore, stocks and bonds are what's known as non-correlated assets. That means they don't necessarily move in tandem. For example, let's just say the stock market goes down. Just because stocks are down doesn't mean bonds will go down too. In fact, it's possible that they'll go up. And of course, the inverse is also true. But this kind of non-correlated movement you know, it's not guaranteed. Now, this just scratches the surface of what we've been talking about, but hopefully it gives you a better idea about how these two important asset classes work and why people should consider both when it comes to investing for the future, especially when investing through their company with a 401k. Hey, if you would like to have a discussion with Noel about anything we have discussed, you can call us at 800-277-0025. And we can set you up for a phone call with Noel, or if you'd like to come into the office for a free complimentary first-time appointment, you can call us at that same number to get that appointment set up, 1-800-277-0025. Now, some quick background information really quick for those listening for the first time. Noel started Previs Wealth Advisors 40 years ago in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and he's been a certified financial planner for 30 years. Our wealth toolkit is something we have, and it contains a retirement planning tool, a risk assessment tool and a social security analysis tool, and we use that to help people get ready for retirement. Another thing we have is an active management style that is based on following trend so that we can react accordingly. And we're going to get into a further discussion of our active management style towards the end of today's show. But as Noel said, stocks and bonds aren't the only type of investments. Isn't that right, Noel? Yeah. Well, the last question I addressed looked at the differences between stocks and bonds. But nowadays, most non-professional investors do not have the time and, of course, the expertise to research and select individual stocks. And doing so can subject his portfolio to increased risk and unexpected tax consequences. That's why many investors usually rely on a different method, and that's putting their money into some type of an investment fund. So what is an investment fund? An investment fund is when a group of investors pool their money to invest in the same portfolio of stocks or other securities. The two major advantages of investment funds are cost and simplicity. By pooling your money with other investors, you can gain access to a diverse basket of stocks for less than if you had to buy each stock individually. Funds also make it simpler for investors to get started since they don't have to research and select each individual company. Many people invest either through an employer-sponsored retirement plan like a 401k or an individual retirement account. 
Either method usually involves selecting between one or more funds to invest in. But here lies a problem for many people, even those that are financially savvy. How do you know which funds to choose? And what's the difference between them? Well, that leads us to the next question we're going to address today, and that's what's the difference between passively managed funds and actively managed funds? Well, if you're investing in, say, an IRA, most of the fund choices you'll see will fall under one or two categories, and that's active or passive. An actively managed fund is exactly what it sounds like, a fund where a manager takes an active role in selecting which securities to buy or sell. And when different managers have varying styles and philosophies. For example, some may specialize in finding companies they believe are undervalued, which means they can be bought at what is believed to be a good price. Others may try to find companies they think are likely to grow by a significant amount. Now, some managers may specialize in certain industries or certain sectors of the market, but no matter what style the manager is using, with active management, you are paying for one of two things. The possibility that the fund will outperform the market, which means the fund could do better over a specific period of time than a benchmark index like the S&P 500, for instance, which is an index. And the possibility that the manager will be able to protect you against undue risk or limit the losses during times of market volatility. And we're not talking about uh, up market volatility, we're talking about down market volatility. The idea more generally fits the purpose of hedge funds than the standard mutual funds you'll usually see in your IRA or company 401k. We'll be discussing those later on in the show. The possibility of trying to outperform the market comes with some trade-offs though. Actively managed funds often come with a higher cost and higher fees than passively managed funds, and that's because the manager must charge for his or her services. Number two, while it's possible for a manager to outperform, it's also possible for them to underperform. When that happens, you are essentially paying more and getting less. Now, how about passively managed funds? How do those work? Well, With a passively managed fund, there's no research-based management decisions to the buying or selling of holding. Instead, the fund invests in a specifically designed portfolio, and then they stay put. They don't make changes. The fund may rebalance at some other set time frame or quarterly or annually or whenever it decides to on the third of every fifth month or whatever they do. Otherwise, everything is held for the long term. These days, many passive funds are what's called index funds. This is when the fund's portfolio is built to try to match a target index like the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones Industrial Average or the NASDAQ 100, something like that. So if you essentially want to replicate a broader stock market, again, like the S&P 500 or so, index funds could be the way to go. Passive funds come with the following advantages. Number one, they are typically much lower in cost, especially with index funds. Because there's nobody actively picking stocks, passive funds generally come with fewer expenses and, of course, lower fees. Number two, however the target index performs is how you're likely to perform. 
given that indices like the S&P 500 have historically risen in value over the long term, that could make index funds a good option for those who want to invest and forget it for a long period of time. On the other hand, it's difficult to outperform the market. That's an issue if you need more aggressive return. Additionally, index funds come with no specific protection against extreme volatility. Now, it's important to note that when you make your selection in a 401k or IRA, you can tell whether a fund is active or passive by reading its summary. Many investors actually take advantage of both passive and active funds in their portfolio. And there are many types of funds within these two categories, but we'll get into that next. Now, if there are any questions that you have been afraid to ask, you can send us an email to asknoel, A-S-K-N-O-E-L, asknoel, at theprovestperspective.com. And that's T-H-E, P like Paula, R-O-V like Victor, E-S-T, perspective, asknoel at theprovestperspective.com. Or if it's easier, you can give us a call. 800-277-0025. And don't forget, you can access the complete free report, Questions You Were Afraid to Ask. It's available for a free download at www.theprovestperspective.com. Now, we just discussed two categories of investment funds, passively managed funds and actively managed funds. And both come with their own pros and cons. But regardless of which categories you choose to invest in, there are many different types of funds within those categories. This leads us to our next question, which is, what differentiates mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, and hedge funds? Okay, let's start with mutual funds. These are one of the oldest and most common ways that people invest. So, what's a mutual fund exactly? Here's how the Securities and Exchange Commission defines a mutual fund. A mutual fund is a company that pools money from many investors, and invest that money in securities such as stocks, bonds, or short-term debt. The combined holdings of the mutual fund are known as its portfolio. Investors buy shares in mutual funds. Each share represents an investor's part ownership in the fund and the income it generates. Mutual funds can be either actively managed or passively managed, but regardless of which umbrella the fund falls under. Many investors flock to mutual funds because they offer several potential benefits, which are, number one, simplification. Mutual funds can simplify the process of investing because instead of devoting time to researching dozens or even hundreds of individual companies to invest in, the fund does it for you. And you don't have to. Now, it's important to notate that you or your financial advisor should still research which mutual fund is going to be right for you, you know, with a different amount of risk and exactly what they invest in. And if you're a person that wants to invest by your values, you can find mutual funds that will satisfy that. Number two, the next thing is you want diversification. Mutual funds often invest in a wide range of companies and industries to meet the fund's stated objective. Now, this could lower your overall risk. This means that if one company or industry does poorly, you may not experience the same kind of loss you would if you invested all your money in that company or industry. But there are also potential issues with mutual funds. 
One, it can be difficult to understand what or how the fund actually invests. Mutual funds can differ drastically depending on their objectives, the investment style of the management company, the time horizon that you have for this fund, and there's other factors involved too. Mutual funds are required by law to provide a prospectus to investors that explain how the fund works. But if you don't know what you're looking at, this information may confuse more than enlighten. I've always said that prospectuses are written by lawyers for lawyers. You know, they're not written for individual people. But that's true. That's the way it works sometimes. That's why it's important to do your homework on that. Number two, mutual funds can sometimes come with more expenses than other funds, too. They might include management fees, purchase fees, redemption fees, and other tax costs. These expenses can possibly eat into your returns, thereby lowering your overall profit. Number three, mutual funds may not be a great choice if immediate liquidity is a high priority. All mutual fund trades run at the end of the day. So, for example, if you want to sell a mutual fund at the beginning of the day, hoping to avoid what you think the market will do, you will still get the end of the day price. So, Noel, because a mutual fund seems to have so many disadvantages, what do some investors turn to? Well, one alternative is exchange-traded funds, or ETS, as they are often called. They can be actively managed, but more often than not, they track the companies in a specific index, just like an index fund. ETFs differ from mutual funds in a few ways. For one thing, the shares each investor has in an ETF can be traded on the open market. That means you can buy or sell your shares in an ETF just like you would any individual stock. You can't do that with a regular mutual fund or an index fund. And that's a big advantage for investors who value flexibility and liquidity. And two, most ETFs come with lower expenses than mutual funds. And three, ETFs also fully disclose all holdings held. This makes it easier to see exactly what you are investing in. It also makes it easier to see where you have overlap. But of course, nothing's perfect. Since ETFs can be traded like common stock and that means that you can trade them any time of the day. That might lead sometimes to trading too much. You may find yourself paying more than you anticipated in trading fees. Also, some ETFs are thinly traded, meaning there's just not a lot of activity between buyers and sellers in this, and this could make it difficult to sell your share. Now, we use ETFs in our portfolio, and what we've got to do is we stay away from the thinly traded ETS that we would use because with the amount of money that we are trading, when we do make trades, what happens is we can make a market if we put too much money in a thinly traded ETF. And that's not something we ever want to do as a financial advisor or as someone who does that kind of work. Now, another alternative to mutual funds is a hedge fund. Most people, however, will never invest in a hedge fund. They're generally not an option when investing through a 401k or an IRA. But you often hear about hedge funds, mainly in the media, and, and they're the subject of multiple films, you know, usually not real complementary to the hedge funds. Anyway, 
While mutual funds and ETFs can be either passive or actively managed, hedge funds are always actively managed. The idea behind hedge funds is that the manager can use all sorts of strategies and tactics to help investors beat the market while hedging, which is how it got its name, while hedging against the risk that is inherent in investing. Hedge funds often invest in non-traditional assets beyond stocks and bonds, too. The reason hedge funds are not an option for most investors is because of the huge costs associated with them. Legally, to invest directly in a hedge fund, you must be an accredited investor. This means you must have a net worth of at least a million dollars or have an annual income over $200,000 to invest in one. Plus, you must be willing to stomach paying all sorts of fees that are much higher than your average mutual fund. For these reasons, while hedge funds may be right for some people, they're simply not necessary for the average investor to save or reach their financial goals. Now, Noel has hit a few times today on 401ks, and that's where a majority of Americans have gained experience with index funds or any of the other funds that he's mentioned today, because it's simpler for people without investment experience to be able to successfully invest. Now, we have a report on maximizing your 401k. Be sure and check out that report as well as today's featured report, Questions You Were Afraid to Ask. You can find both of those on our website, which is www.theprovestperspective.com. Once again, that website address is theprovestperspective.com. Be sure and check it out. We do have a lot of reports on our website. So now that you know about mutual funds, ETFs, stocks, and bonds, how do you know which investment choice is right for you? (laughs) Well, as you can guess, Pamela, there's no one-size-fits-all answer. Only the one that is best for you based on your desires, based on your needs, and based on your common nature. This might seem like a no-brainer, but it's a critical point all the same. And that's because as an investor, you will often hear the media say otherwise. You will hear people claim that the Dow is more important than the S&P 500 or vice versa, that stocks are better than bonds or bonds are safer than stocks, that passive is better than active, or that ETS are always better than mutual funds. As we've seen, the truth just isn't that simple. So I have six questions for you to consider the answer to. These are questions only you can answer. Those questions are as follows. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Now, let's start with the first. And that is who. Who am I? Are you cautious by nature? Or are you more of a risk taker? Are you a family-oriented person? Or are you more of a lone wolf? An adventurer or caretaker? Someone with a few simple wants or big, bold dreams? Or, as many people tend to be, are you a mixture of all of these things? Just some are more important than others. Number two, what kind of lifestyle do I want? Simple or extravagant? Always trying new things or staying in your comfort zone? One focused on work and personal accomplishment? or one focused on family and community. Or again, I can't stress this too much, a mixture of these things depending on what stage you're at in life. Number three, when will I most need the money? Do you need it soon because you're buying a new home or starting a new business? 
or do you need it later when you're about to retire? Number four, where do I see myself in 10 years or 20? Life is all about change and growth. That means you need to ensure you're investing for long-term growth to reach your long-term goal. Number five, why do I need to invest? To help send your kids to college, to retire, to see the world, to give to a charitable cause, to feel like you always have a safety net. All those are important. And then number six, how will I pay for retirement? This is key because regardless of your other goals, there's probably going to come a time when you want to stop working, but you can't just pick a day and not show up for work. Retirement creates a massive lifestyle change and one that will be quite upsetting to your finances if you don't prepare for it. Now, these are a lot of great questions for you to ask yourself to better know what is right for you. So, Noel, here's the all-important question. How do we help our clients answer these questions for themselves? Well, first of all, I've got near 40 years of experience. So a lot of times someone can come in and they can just talk to me and I can help them right then and there and they leave and there's never any charge for the first time we get together. So, and there have been many people that have come in and they've gotten their questions answered and we never got together again. But then for people that have a little bit deeper thought about it, then those are people that we developed our wealth toolkit for. So our wealth toolkit has certain tools in it that will help. If you want to build a retirement, if you want to know what it's going to take for you to retire on the income that you want, and you want to know, well, have I saved enough or am I saving enough or what will I need to do extra that I'm not doing? Then we can answer that question for you. It takes a little bit of effort and it takes a little bit of time, but we can do that. We've got the tool to help you do that. Uh, if you say, well, I'm not so sure about my Social Security, we can help you with that, too, because we've got a Social Security tool. So there's a lot of things that we can do to help people. And there's some people that come in and all that they've got is in their 401k. That's what they're saving for. And those things happen. I've heard people on the radio say, no, 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 you don't want to have that 401k. You want to take the money that's in your 401k and roll it over to my annuity. And... I disagree with that. I think that having money in a 401k is very good. It's very important. But how you invest that 401k is also important. So many of my clients, we give them advice on their 401k too. And we'll study the choices that they have within it. And we'll give them our opinion of the best way to invest that money. So these things are very, very important to do. And we are here all the time. And... We're waiting for you to call. I think our telephone number is 800-277-0025, or you can reach us through our website at theprovestperspective.com. You know, if you would like to talk to us, we are certainly open to talking to you. And even if we can't help you long-term, maybe we can help you short-term. So don't hesitate to call us. Well, in addition to our wealth toolkit, what are some other ways that we can help people? We can be there for people. We can do that. Let's just say somebody does become a client. Let's just say that you've got the assets that are necessary to become our client. We do have a minimum asset size. That minimum asset size is $250,000. And let's just say that 
you've got $300,000. You want to invest it. You want to do the very best you can with it. The investments that we use, the way that we invest, the strategies that we put together, they've been very successful. We can't talk about it here on the podcast, but what we can do is we can explain it to you and show you our results if you come in. And it's something that we're very, very proud of. And let's just say that you just want to set up an income, but you don't want the same income coming in. Let's just say that you talk to somebody and the guy that you talk to is selling a particular insurance product. And he said, yeah, we can give you a 5% income on this investment. Well, 5%, that might be a good bit of money now. $3,000 a month that you'd get from buying that product may be good now, but $3,000 in 10 years after subjected to inflation may not be that high. So if you have a position and you've got an advisor that doesn't seem to be listening to you or he's not communicating with you or you don't have an advisor and you'd like to talk to us or you're talking to somebody and you'd like a second opinion, then please give us a call. I'm here. I'm Noel Swain. Number is 800-277-0025. I will definitely enjoy talking to you. So do not hesitate to get in touch with us. So hopefully you're starting to feel a little more educated on some of the basic investment types. And take some time to think about these questions that Noel posed today. Then communicate your answers with a professional you trust. Together, the two of you can create an investment plan that's as specific to you as the clothes you wear. You can have a plan that is designed to get you where you want to be. Now, if you have any questions about how we manage our funds or how we use our wealth toolkit to help formulate a retirement plan, then call us at 800-277-0025. Perhaps it's a question for Noel, or perhaps you want to set up an appointment to come in and talk with Noel. You can reach us at 800-277-0025. And be sure and check out our reports on 401k maximization. We've got reports on Social Security. We've got reports on taxes. Even have today's featured report, questions you were afraid to ask, all can be found at our website, www.theprovestperspective.com. Be sure and go there, check all those reports out. Download them for free. Again, that's www.theprovestperspective.com. We hope you've enjoyed learning a bit more about how investing works, and we hope we've been able to answer some questions that you may have been pondering over the years. But most of all, we hope you can use this information as a springboard to ask more questions further down the road. That is it for today, but be sure and join us again on our next podcast as we continue our discussions of questions you were afraid to ask We're going to be going into greater detail on bonds. But until then, don't just invest, provest. And thanks for listening to the Provest Perspective Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information on Noel Swain CFP or this episode, visit theprovestperspective.com. These are the opinions of Noel Swain CFP and not necessarily those of Cambridge and are for informational purposes only. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Provest Wealth Advisors in Cambridge are not affiliated. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Investing in involves risk depending on the type of investments there may be varying degrees of risk investors should be prepared to bear loss including total loss of principal